This is 16 to 1, a podcast about education, teaching, and learning. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing swell 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 doing so swell we will say it's swell it's swell how about you i'm good back in the swing of things i've been making a lot of music you have been been. doing a lot of work keeping busy my congestion has left my body it's great oh good good remember last time we recorded yes i was like you sounded like this i did sound like that that's exactly what i sounded like i felt very bad because we waited to the last minute to record. I was like, why did we record We that? really didn't have another option to record except for right then, so. Yeah, that was rough. That was really rough. It was not my best work. Luckily, I didn't have a cold then, and I'm over the cold that I got from you now, so. Yeah, so only I have to live forever in our podcast backlog. <laughs> Sounding like. Mm. <laughs> uh, so. Just leave it to me to go back to, a, you know, school in person for like a week and get sick immediately. That's not, that's really not surprising given the state of the world, you know? Yeah, so I said, leave it to me. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I want to crack right into it. What are we talking about this week? <laughs> I do. I go like, okay, we can do the other fun stuff at the end, I guess. Because one of my things is kind of fun at the end. Oh, okay, good. That's like a Yeah, let's save thing. it for the end. Okay, well, um, just because we like to suffer, we chose propaganda this week. Oh, well, what's suffering about that? Propaganda. Do you not feel like the world is full of it right now? Well, yeah. And then it's at the root of all evil. As we were doing research for this, I was just like, is there any form of communication that isn't propaganda? I, it's a little meta at times. I definitely get <laughs> like into it. And I'm like, oh, everything is. Well, I, I mean, it's I all just, propaganda. Yeah. Right? We're talking about propaganda. So, in a general sense, information, ideas, opinions, images... They often only give one part of an argument. They are broadcast, published, or in some way spread with the intention of influencing people's opinions. That's what propaganda oh, is. Oh, no. Yeah. All the bad stuff. Well, so, yeah, there's some debate about this word, and perhaps you you know about this, so I don't, I'm preaching to the choir here, but there's some debate as to whether or not propaganda is always bad. Some people think it's always bad because it's always... Mm somebody trying to no influence i don't think it's somebody always else. bad yeah. i don't think it's always bad so i i really don't think so either i think a lot of it is bad but it there is debate in scholarly circles about whether or not propaganda is always bad basically whether mm. it always has negative connotations i, I suppose mm. i should say yeah okay i think we could dive really deep into this but i don't know if that does anything so Oh, no, please, go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking, like, if we wanted to be that way, like, wouldn't just, like, the windy sign on the side of the road be propaganda? Yeah. So there's a big overlap between propaganda and advertising. We'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. But, but often, I mean, like, right? Yeah. Like, aren't we? Often advertisements do use... Propagandic devices. Yeah. Techniques that are associated with propaganda. Mm-hmm. But they're not... I don't think they're necessarily propaganda by default, just as sure. ads. Okay, that's fair. But... So it, there's the distinction. There is a bit of a blurred line, but yes, I think we can kind of distinguish. Okay. They use the same techniques in ads, but ads are not necessarily always propaganda. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. So basically, it's all of that stuff that I mentioned, media of various kinds that are designed to influence people's opinions. How do we recognize it? This is something we... Uh, oh, gosh. 
gosh. Yeah. Identifying it has always been a problem, so we're not the only ones Mm -hmm. here. So again, most of this is from sort of scholarly approaches to propaganda. So scholars in this field have the same difficulties that we do because it's tough to differentiate propaganda from other types of persuasion. There's this guy named Richard Allen Nelson. He provides this definition. He works in this field. He's like, propaganda is neutrally defined as a systematic form of purposeful persuasion that attempts to influence the emotions, attitudes, opinions, and actions of specified target audiences for ideological, political, or commercial purposes through the controlled transmissions <laughs> of one-sided messages. Controlled transmis- transmission, I think, yeah. is the key there. Which may or may not be factual. Oh, no. Via mass and direct media Oh, channels. I don't like it anymore. So that's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty big... That's bad. <laughs> it's an all-encompassing. That's where things go bad. Well, okay, so uh, it's like what you were talking about. I suppose that not everything that we would think of, like, as an ad or something... Uh, isn't I, I mean I don't know it's really hard <laughs> I'm going back the and more forth I in think my head it, as we, just listening to you I'm like oh wait oh, the wait, more I think I'm about here. it the more it's like oh every, really everything is propaganda all yeah the time. that's kind of where I am because I'm just thinking about like I'm thinking about world of like digital advertising yeah like AdWords Google like so like when you make an ad and put it on the internet you select target audiences you pay their age. amount of money based mm-hmm. on you know different demographics how many people mm-hmm. in that demographic you want to reach. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's always a target. You're always, in the case of advertising, you're always persuading them to buy your crap, whatever your crap is. Always. Yeah. I mean, the goal is to make money, right? Or to benefit. Yeah. So that's got to be, like, I would assume part of that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I think I'm back into everything being it. Yeah, I mean. Now I'm I'm struggling. Let's dive in a little bit. We can find some examples that we are familiar with. So we've got, like, paintings, cartoons, posters, pamphlets, films, radio shows, TV shows, podcasts, like this one. Hello. We're propagandists. Who knew? Coming at you live. Websites, social media sites, religious communications, even bots and botnets and algorithms that spread disinformation. Facebook. (laughs) <laughs> yeah just facebook Sorry. all of facebook Sorry. all the time too soon uh no no i don't think so i don't know you you are very familiar with this subject i love teaching you propaganda teach propaganda and what do you focus on when you teach it wartime propaganda from world war Two. uh it's mostly world war Two, but i do let them use some world war one I. I use a lot of world war one images as examples of Ooh, propaganda. what are your fa- was, what are your favorite examples well i mean like stuff? keep calm and carry on is world war one keep calm like, and that's carry where on. that comes from i see a lot of our uncle that sam thing, stuff is yes, world war one the guy with a big red white blue hat mm-hmm. that's that image. like i mean he still exists even uh-huh. so but he he got some real traction during it's like that recruitment time. posters yeah and also just like some of my favorite from world war Two are like loose lips like ships so it's like um there's also ones about how there were different sexually transmitted things going around during the war uh-huh. so there are like some really ridiculous ads about like how to not get about, stis like, f- films weren't you talking there were like films yeah, about like chaplin did some stuff we talked um, about it in our sex ed episode yeah actually. we did there's also like there's like Mickey Mouse and like Disney did some stuff for that the was war? like World War Two kind of style yeah like Donald Duck I'm pretty sure is one of the ones that's coming to my mind but like also wartime war- Donald Duck. yeah wartime Donald Duck he's like making like missiles and stuff it's a great clip but my favorite one I show my students is of this family or it's a guy driving a convertible car and he's like a business dude he like has this great car. He's, like, wearing his little hat. He's obviously going to work. It's, like, a beautiful day. And it says, if you ride alone, you ride with Hitler. Oh and it was supporting car shares. 
uh-huh during the time uh-huh so like there is some good stuff that came out of like world war ii sort of yeah propaganda it's it's really incredible art but yeah my students really like that stuff and then like i'll talk about it more later too but i like do branch it into a lot of the type of propaganda that they see today mm-hmm. and so it's, it's kind of fun to see them learn in real time like oh gosh i'm truly surrounded by it mm-hmm. everything is an ad i think is what my students would say after that for sure. Yeah. So some non-wartime examples? Yeah. Shall we move into that? Sure. Okay. Religion? Y- yes. The word <laughs> what itself. What if I just listed them? All sure. Yes. Them all religion Hello. ever. Religion is probably... No, I'm just kidding. Religion is probably... <laughs> please, please fight for um, this record. Yeah, we're going to take off everyone in the world with this podcast somehow, somewhere along the line. Nope. We're cutting all of uh, this now. Beep. <laughs> uh, religion, yes. So even the word itself... The word propaganda actually originates from... I think that religion. <laughs> yeah. The Catholic Church. It originates from the Catholic Church in the 17th huh. century. The papacy established a special division within the church called the Sacred Congregation for the Propagation of the Faith. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so this, boy. 1600s? We steal the word from Latin. You are kidding me. Yeah. Okay. I mean, po- we got political propaganda that is well, sort of outside of the yeah. context of war all the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, campaign signs yeah. that you stick in your yard is kind of propaganda. Or the flags around town. Yeah, the flags is what we have around here. That say, do you miss me yet? On one side of the American that flag. That is indeed a kind of propaganda. Well, let's just say, there are more run-of-the-mill ones. Like, just... Yes. Normal, Sorry. in the normal order of political you know i would say like maybe pre-2012 or whenever Mm -hmm. everything went to hell you would get campaign signs slogans stump speeches are a kind of propaganda yeah they definitely are because there's a lot i'm also thinking of like um okay so like the yard signs in north carolina Mm -hmm. remember those they just say i love you jesus Mm mm-hmm Oh, those aren't political. Well, they were kind of... Well, they're religious. Yeah, they were religious, but I was trying to think of the political ones. But also, after 9-11, everybody put those ribbons on their car. They said, like, United We Stand, mm-hmm, or, and, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. They so saw. that's stuff that's, like, again, so we were talking about this, like, these are the kinds of things where there's an opportunity for them to not really be bad. I, I don't really think that pieces of propaganda that are calls for, like national unity mm-hmm. or community building yeah, i or, guess those aren't really political so much as well they are but i'm just not convinced that they're nefarious when the whole point is oh, yeah. to you know be in something together stuff like that like, you're okay with that well <laughs> i don't have to be okay <laughs> we're with gonna it. draw that line i'm quickly. just trying to decide if there's a line about yeah, what's good and I bad and I'm, I'm having a bit of trouble identifying what is terrible about mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff I agree. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Again, we have to keep in mind that there has to be like a target audience for your propaganda and you have to be trying to persuade people of something. So in those cases, perhaps those don't meet the threshold because there's not like a target audience. That's true. I don't know. It's just like a general... There are some times though when I... (laughs) I did this gesture like people would know that I was like... But there are together. I guess there are some times when I think of those kinds of gestures as, hey, I want you to be on my team. I want you to be in this together with okay. us. You being the some sort of anonymous sure. third person who is resisting it somehow. Or yeah. some, I don't know. I don't know. That, that's a little hard. Those are where. Well, it's like the what would Jesus do bracelets or the fish sticker. Like all of these types of fish things stickers. are like, do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Those were very popular when we were in high school. Like, yes. Some of these things are just popping in my head now. And so I. And, like, trying to apply this thought, like, what are mm-hmm. they, you know, mm-hmm. who is their mm-hmm. audience, and... Yep. Yeah, I, I guess I have a lot more religious ones coming to my head than I thought I would. I guess you do. 
Interesting. Sort of within each of these types of propaganda, we'll, we'll see these techniques that we've been talking about. And advertising, again, has used a lot of these. So there's going to, mm-hmm. it's going to feel a lot like advertising. But you've yeah. got like testimonials. Those are, can be a technique of propaganda where it's like, hey, look at this guy. He's oh, saying you yeah, should go these buy These are this like thing. testimonials also. Like, I mean, we grew up in like, the heart of the got milk campaign yes literally every single everybody who had nothing to do with the dairy industry put a milk mustache on we are like a product of that look at how much milk i still drink like True. i blame michael jordan for this i blame michael jordan I can, for this. his sticks out to me for some reason so testimonials stereotyping mm-hmm. a lot of ads yeah. and other kinds of propaganda rely on stereotyping mm-hmm. fear appeals we see a lot of there's this. also like either or thinking those are some of my favorites because mm-hmm. those are the ones on facebook that are like if you don't share this picture of jesus then you don't love him and yes it's like, that's a fear appeal yeah it's if, like it's also if, either or thinking because it's either this, you do this or you don't love him if you don't like, send this chain email to 10 people yeah. then you're going to have bad luck and die and your cat's gonna yeah whatever yeah yeah bandwagoning mm-hmm. we're pretty familiar with that i guess i would say it's like if you're not you're not a cool kid if you're not hopping on board this yeah and greatest, i mean like, like mad ben like that entire industry is bandwagon basically like all of the sex appeal all of like and if you think like classic cigarette ads those are bandwagon yeah ads. you don't want to be left behind because it's cool. yeah exactly like, you don't want to be thinking. the one left out yeah um appeals to prejudice we see this a lot. I guess this is kind of funny. We see this. Uh, I see a lot of now that it's football season again. There are a lot of ads where you can tell there's like a sports rivalry because they just wear opposite color jerseys or whatever. So so you're like appealing to the kind of in group. You're pe- appealing to the prejudice against your team or whatever it is. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but then we also do see that kind of stuff in more serious. Yeah. Like political propaganda where mm-hmm. it's like. We're all getting together behind not liking the other thing. Right. Whatever that is. Um, glittering generalities. Oh that's a way gosh. of just making something seem way more simplistic and nice than it actually is by just reducing yeah. it to this pretty sheen. Yeah. One of the things I use for glittering generalities is also like a purr word or snarl word, which are like, you know, words that we pick out that are either like positive or negative or whatever. Remember when Ford was using like a rock or built Ford tough or stuff like that? You do you remember that? Like they played the Bob Seger song, and it was like an F one fifty driving in like a mountain range, like a horse, and there was like a cowboy and. Maybe America. This is, maybe this is Budweiser. You know what I'm talking about though. Like yes. they use this like built Ford tough or like a rock, and it was like. Like you literally build the Ford Edge. Like, so you're saying you, you like they even pick <laughs> they pick words based. Yeah, on... and like those are what like that's at the heart of like per words or g- glittering generality. You know what I mean? Like a lot of glittering generalities use words that make us like attached to them. Mm-hmm. That are like is a you know is every Ford vehicle built like a rock? Probably not. Right, but like <laughs> could we all remember the Bob Seger thing happening? Like sure. yes, yeah, you know that mm-hmm. type of thing, and that's also a testimonial too. But anyways, yeah. I love this. This is like one of my favorite things. Yeah, you're in your zone. I know. I love these. I have so many great examples for all of these too. Good. And I always talk about, um, this did not age well, but Jared from Subway. Because <laughs> he was like a common folk, right? That's like... Um, yeah. What was the... Uh, the appeal to... Like, yeah, common... it's like normal people, but it's like when yeah. you watch... Uh, like I'm thinking of like AARP or something like that. They'll be like, 
Cheryl's really 55 and lives in Wisconsin and she yeah. loves whatever. Like, look at this normal person yeah. doing a normal fun thing. But it's thing. also like, was it Sarah Palin and John McCain who had that random guy who got like kind of famous because they like referenced him. I was going to say Larry the Cable Guy, but that's the comedian. Do you um, know what I'm talking about? The plumber, Joe Plumber. Is that him, Joe the Plumber? Something this, like that. Okay, but like those are the people. And like Jared from Subway was one of those people until, you know. Until that blew up in everybody's face. Yeah, but like Jared got famous because all he did was eat Subway and lose a bunch of weight. Yeah. And so, but then that like turned him into an actual piece of product. Like, like, hey, look at this guy. Yeah. Look what he did. All he did was eat Subway and lost you can 300 do this pounds. Too. And then dropped him. The idea like is a rock. To, right. The idea is to make you identify yeah. with the target of the advertisement. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's okay. Those are some of my favorite ones. Yes. So, how does this all work? The psychology of propaganda. It all has to do with and centers on persuasion. Social psychology includes the study of persuasion, and that field has a lot of theories and approaches to understanding how persuasion works. There are different theories about, you know, there's like a communication theory that points out people can be persuaded by the communicator's credibility or expertise or trustworthiness. There's a a thing called the elaboration likelihood model mm-hmm. as well as heuristic models of persuasion they suggest a number of factors including the degree of interest the recipient of communication influence the degree to which people allow factors to persuade them there's this guy named herbert simon he's a nobel prize winning psychologist he has this theory that people are cognitive misers which i think is interesting that's a great phrase <laughs> and that is that in a society of mass information people are forced to make decisions quickly and often superficially as opposed to logically. Yes. We've been talking about this a lot. It's not with, just teenagers. Right. We've been talking about this a lot. <laughs> I see this like, daily, but it's not just them. The vaccine conversations that we've been having, uh, we've been having a lot of talk about how how people do not, pretty obviously don't make decisions based on rationality. And there's a lot of frustration because people try to appeal to rationality when they make arguments. but Because that's proper argument. Well, it is, but it's just not the way that persuasion that's actually how it works. Should work. So propaganda is often not yeah. logical. Like if no, the whole it's point, not. if the point of a piece of propaganda would be to logically convince you of something, it, it might actually fail at that. I was going to say I wouldn't. But if the it. point of propaganda is to rile up your emotions about something, well, that it's like you can see succeeding. Okay, but like think about it. Like in in like this isn't about <laughs> vaccines, but like it's why when you're looking at a commercial about like a new Swiffer. They're going to show you the dirtiest before and after. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be because if it actually showed you the average work that it does, you wouldn't go buy it. Right. So, like, it has to be that stark contrast. Otherwise, I'm not going to be like, this will work. Yeah. My golden retriever's fur will not be, you know. We ramp up the conditions around right. whatever thing the thing is that we're persuading about, mm-hmm. right? And it works. We make things more extreme. I am such a sucker for that. I am... I am you like, like the, dirty floors oh, being no, cleaned. No, I mean, yeah. I <laughs> you are a sucker for cleaning products. I, I am, but I'm also <laughs> just like a sucker for anything that is like convenient or like saves time or like does these things. So if your ad somehow can like conveys to me that it's going to save my time, I'm going to throw my money at you because I value that. That's just such smart work. Like I'm truly that person. I make that decision so quickly and it's not logical. Mm-hmm totally like because right now i want a swiffer that does like eight things and we only have like two versions of floor in the house but sure. it can you know <laughs> like do it all we like hardwood and we have carpets right but like it. in my head do we need the one that can do like high pile medium pile low pile like shag probably like, not <laughs> like linoleum vinyl like we only have one kind of right, carpet but in my head i'm like oh that's nice yeah <laughs> it does it all <laughs> don't need it to do it all 
I'm learning a lot about myself. I, I can tell. I'm sorry. No, it's quite all right. There's this interesting article that seems to be pretty important because there's actually not as much research around this issue as I might have thought there would be. But that's, again, at least in part because people don't necessarily agree what propaganda is. But I mean, listen to us. Yeah. Yeah. And like I teach it and I'm still like, oh, it's so hard because I think we're probably more likely to count something as propaganda than maybe we should be because everything feels like propaganda right now. I don't think that's a bad way to treat things, though. Well, here's an, this guy, William Biddle. He wrote this article in 1931. He <laughs> offers a psychological definition of propaganda, and it seems to be the working one that a lot of people still kind of operate under, at least in terms of the field of psychology. Um, he said that the four principles followed in propaganda are, one, rely on emotions, never argue. Mm. So that's just like, avoid the whole logical thing altogether, right? Two, cast oh. propaganda into the pattern of we versus an enemy. Yes, reach groups as well as individuals mm -hmm. hide the propagandist yes. as much as possible that's exactly it put the wizard behind the curtain because oz is really like only scary <laughs> well oz is really only scary no, when right. you don't see the dude pulling the levers right you don't you know doesn't he have levers strings back there he's got something to make oh, the machine go anyway it's more intimidating yeah, no, when you right. can't see oz it's what we don't see but yeah i'm with you well it's easier to resist propaganda when you know who the source is and why they're saying what they're saying i mm. think give me an example well there's a lot of argument about facebook political ads during the last couple of election cycles and part of the problem with all of that is that it was very difficult to tell where some of this stuff was coming from and there was some of it that was coming from foreign countries trying mm. to persuade us. So, like, there, there was a lot of... Is it, like, the fine print at the end that it's like, this ad is paid yeah, for Yeah, there was a lot of discussion about making those kinds of things more transparent. Right. So, like, political ads on TV, they I think they have to disclose who it's has like the funded last thing the you ad. See, right, Like, right. who funded it. Paid yeah. for by whomever for wherever, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. And part of that is to basically force the voter to think a little bit about where the message is coming yeah. from. Yeah. But it doesn't always work and people don't always pay attention. And, no, they don't. That's or don't say. particularly care either. But yeah, I mean, just in general politics, we've seen a lot of conversation around stuff. I mean, particularly in terms of bringing politics into the internet age, the Obama 2008 campaign had a lot of propaganda related insights that have been replicated over time. Mm. Um, there are studies from behavioral science that have become significant in understanding and planning propaganda campaigns. And like I said, the Obama 2008 campaign, um, they kind of made use of nudge theory. It was um, also adopted by the UK government behavioral insights team. And then behavioral methodologies became subject to great controversy mm. in 2016 after the company Cambridge Analytica was re revealed to have applied them with millions of people's breached Facebook data to encourage them to vote for Donald Trump. Oh, So we're all very familiar with all of that. Nudge theory. I forgot to look up what nudge theory is. So Wikipedia says that nudge theory is a concept in behavioral economics, political theory, and behavioral sciences that proposes positive reinforcement and indirect suggestions as ways to influence the behavior and decision-making of groups or individuals. Positive reinforcement. So this is like very Obama 2008. Like, yes, yes we, we can. can. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, hope. Hopey changey. Just the word hope. Just hope with no other... I mean, that's, a, that's quite a piece of propaganda, really, when you think about it. Hope. It's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he took the whole word. Yeah. It's like how Ohio State has the... The... 
So it can be good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'm going back and forth. Well, again, people don't really agree about this, about whether or not it's I think that's probably a good thing. Yeah. I I think that it's difficult to see it being good. I mean, it's I I think that okay, but especially like, as social media evolves. Yeah, but I think we get propaganda makes us go to the bad place. Yes. So I'm thinking of like the St. Jude commercials. Great work. We want to support St. Jude. The Sarah McLachlan ASPCA commercials. <laughs> those are very effective. Ooh, yeah. That, see what I mean? That, like in Arms of an Angel. Are like yeah. In the but, Arms of an Angel that those series of commercials have the, those have done like i'm gonna send like, them my dime a day or whatever right now like, we're crying at our couch but like also, Sarah McLaughlin is holding like, a puppy i mean i'm thinking of like all of these come and not saint jude like saint jude is truly different but like march of dimes all of these other places are so different because they take such a fraction of it so like they rely so heavily on propaganda to survive because you know you know what i mean like they only yeah well, they only use like a dime, literally, of every dollar towards something. Useful. Sure, I mean a lot of but nonprofits. My point is just that, yeah, yeah, like these are the things that come to mind when I think of like good propaganda. Yeah, was that fair? Um, yeah, I think propaganda that can be used for good. I think that's so. Yeah, like we're saying, the term is kind of contested. Some have argued for the neutral definition, arguing that ethics depend on intent and context, while others define it as necessarily unethical and negative. Which is interesting. That's what mm. we're talking about. Yeah, um, I, I can say yes. I think mm-hmm. every way, you know. Yeah, I have a hard time knowing how I feel about this, but it seems like we've talked about examples that could go for a more neutral definition. Like it doesn't have to be bad. Yeah, there's I, this one definition. Emma Bryant she defines it as the deliberate manipulation of representations, including text, pictures, pictures, video, speech, etc., mm-hmm. with the intention of producing any effect in the audience. Well, that's fine. That is desired by the propagandist. Oh, that's pretty broad. Yeah. Same author explains the importance of consistent terminology across history, particularly as contemporary euphemistic synonyms are used in government's continual efforts to rebrand their operations, such as information support and strategic communication. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's like, you know, in the White House, you might have a liaison for strategic communication or something like that. And that's really just a propagandist doing mm. propaganda work. But just um, propagating, propagandizing. But propaganda. you could imagine that in some areas of the world, like, I mean, I don't know, North Korea, governmental communications from North Korea. Yeah, that's a problem. Hardcore propaganda yeah. all the time. Well, and I mean, that is meant to sort of control and instill fear and all kinds of stuff. So it's like, I don't know, maybe we need a different term for the propaganda that's the friendly kind or something. Happy trees. And maybe we're just content to keep it neutral i mean is there i mean maybe it's okay that we just always question propaganda for good or bad though right like isn't that what we should be doing as consumers Mm -hmm. like isn't that our goal as far as like you know what i mean yeah like don't we want to look at everything and be like wait what's their position what is their perspective and a lot of this paying for this exactly a lot of this is like just basic media literacy honestly and i think we're gonna jump into like sort of how you teach it now but a lot of it just has to do with understanding with any bit of media you know who's the author of this message what's the purpose of this Mm -hmm. message when we're playing games when we're reading books when we're checking out facebook feeds when we're talking with our family members who is it that's trying to get this message across what's the purpose Mm -hmm. is this supposed to divide us is this supposed to unite us is this supposed to make us happy is this supposed to make us fearful am i sad there's a lot of that going on that I think it's becoming something of a lost art, but you, but you do teach it. So how do you uh, do. go about teaching about propaganda in your classroom? 
Okay, so like I said, when I do teach it, it's as part of my whole Lacoste unit, which is a, it's a pretty long unit for me. It's not quite a whole nine weeks. But like I said, World War II propaganda, some of the best wartime propaganda that there is. And so normally I start just with sort of giving them examples. Like we talked about Keep Calm and Carry On. That was like the crown in World War One, right? Mm-hmm. Or some Uncle Sam started popping up. And then like World War Two, and that's like where we start seeing, like some of the ones I was just already talking about. But also it fits so well because... One of the things that the Nazis did so well is that they really understood propaganda and they knew how to make it work. Yeah. I mean, they had Goebbels was, you know, they had a guy who did it and he was one of the lead Nazis by the end of the war. Like, it's truly remarkable what they were able to accomplish by understanding propaganda to the links that they do, which is why I'm always like, "Ah, I'm a little scared of propaganda because it's in the wrong hands. Hmm. You know, yeah, it's can do some powerful, scary stuff. It can be a very powerful weapon. Um, so what I normally start with is looking at a bunch from World War II. How do they work? Like, and we're talking like these are like the Victory Garden times. This is like Rosie the Riveter. I mean, this is like classic Americana, like propaganda. The stuff that we see today is almost always created from something during this time frame. Mm-hmm. It's like the golden age of propaganda. Once we, we used to, uh, we used to. St- go and look at world war ii and related posters to make recruitment posters for college clubs in college i had a friend who did a whole lot of that Mm -hmm. it's like those were the examples of like the golden age of this kind of propaganda if you just look at it as an art it's great it's Mm -hmm. it's beautiful really cool art really striking work i mean it is just it does such a good job but so we start with that and just kind of say like, okay, why would the Nazis use this? And then like, why would the U.S. use this? And like, what are we accomplishing? And how are the characters used? And what are the Jewish people? Like all of those types of things. But then from there, I start going into some of the devices we talked about. So like jargon, snarl words, either or thinking. And we start saying, okay, what's the appeal? What are the symbols that are being used? And then I tell them like a week ahead of time that I want them to bring in however many examples from their own lives. Mm-hmm. And what they're going to do is they're going to screenshot it or they're going to take a picture of it or they're going to whatever. They've got to bring it in and show it to me. I feel like I would just bring in my phone and start scrolling down any social media. And yeah, just be like, that's what this a lot of them, that's what a lot of them do. <laughs> and I try to tell them, like, I don't want them all from, like, one website. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want just TikTok ads. I don't just, like, because I want them to truly be doing something Mm -hmm. and so they bring in those examples and then we start applying like okay what are the symbols and what are the colors doing and what type of devices are being used and does it is it effective who's the speaker what are they yeah exactly and like who's their target audience right like so why did you get this ad Mm -hmm. that's a question i ask them a lot yeah and like i've we've spoken about before we live in well i work i guess i should say in a pretty conservative area and so a lot of the ads that do come in i'm like okay why who who is the target audience and why did your facebook feed choose you and mm-hmm. why did your tiktok send you this which is a question that all of us should be asking ourselves with every bit yeah, of especially social media sure. that we consume because all of the what we're seeing somebody somewhere has made a decision mm-hmm. to bias to what we see yeah so like the algorithms that drive the content that gets shoved in front of our eyeballs Somebody has made a conscious decision somewhere to bias it so that we see it. So well, like, right. why and would like, that be? Who you, is making that choice? You and I have even done this with this podcast. Yeah. I mean, there have been times we've used ads on Facebook and Instagram to try to expand it. And we go through and we pick. These are the age of people. And this is the type of people. And this is what time we think they're home. Like, And if they're you know, in teacher Facebook groups, we definitely want to target yeah, them. Yeah. Like, it's just been... I mean, we're all... You know what I mean? Like, that's that's part of the problem. But... Having them start to think like, okay, why did I get this? What have I liked that suggests this to me? 
who in my family watches on this stuff? You know, like all of those types of things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll be like, oh, my brother, this is his whatever. You know, like they, a lot of them don't want to be like, oh, I got this weird ad. Because some of them are weird, right? Or like very targeted or very specific. Very niche. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But it's always so interesting to see it occur to them that the differences in the ads that they're seeing from like their best friend even or the person beside them or, you know, hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Like if I show them the ads I see and then they, what they see, it's like, oh my gosh, worlds apart. Yeah. So it's a really fun unit. I think it does some good work. What I have found in recent years, obviously, is that students are, are very... They, they already know what propaganda is to them, right? And so I've had students say to me, like, well, if it's not on Fox News, I don't trust it. Or if it's not, you know, these types of things. And so that's been, like, one of the hardest parts about teaching to the current world, I guess, is that they're becoming less and less likely to be willing to understand these things. Or to be, they're less likely to open up to them, to be like, well, why would we only accept information from literally one source? Well, I think there's like a kind of arms race, and these kids are experiencing it from when they're very young. There's a sort of arms mm-hmm. race around cornering the propaganda market in terms of making sure that you know the us versus them, where the lines are mm-hmm. drawn. So like, e- even the definition of propaganda is something that's shoved in front of yeah like what you're talking about, like with the political climate that we have here, these kids are hearing, oh, that's just propaganda when it comes to hearing from the other side. Right. Somebody in their life is telling them, hey, that's that's the other. We don't listen right. to that. That is propaganda. That's but, propaganda. But what we know is Don't fact. pay attention to that. Right. But yeah. what our side, our side is the right and the good and the true, mm-hmm. which itself is a kind of propagandizing. So, you know. Yeah. No, it is. And then like and one of the things that I usually do with this unit just to wrap this up is I show them... I know we've talked about this map before, but I show them the map of media. And so, like, it's lined far left, far right, middle of the road. And, like, the most... Political dead, map of yeah, media it, It's, like, the most dead center website is, like, the Weather Channel, which I love. The That's how it should Channel. be. That's exactly how the Weather Channel should operate. But I show them that. And so then, like, I have them each plot their own media points to be, like, what does it lean? Mm-hmm. How do you self-identify? Uh-huh. And what does that show us? Right. I mean, I'm guilty of it, right? My dots are always in my area of what I would, you know, vote mm-hmm. in or how I vote mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's really interesting. But it's also a great time to be like, hey, I should also be expanding where I get my information. Sure. And that's always true. Like, I really do feel that way. I tell my students that all the time. We, we shouldn't just trust it because it's one place, even if it's your favorite place. And so I'm guilty of that, too. I, I consume a lot of the same media Mm-hmm. It's because I trust them, but what am I? You know, I'm not doing. Yeah, it there's either, a lot so. of trustworthiness is a big factor in right in making propaganda work the way yeah. that it is. Because if you don't trust the speaker, then it's just not going to work on mm-hmm. you. That's part of that persuasive yep. that persuasiveness metric that we were talking about earlier. So. Yeah, it is. It's not easy. It's not easy to teach. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. It's, mm-hmm. it's and it's getting harder. Is the other thing I yeah, would say. I can't is that imagine I'm having trying. a much harder time every well, single year that I do it. It gets more difficult. I would guess that you're probably doing a very good job to pick a somewhat dated time frame. I would guess that it would be easier for these kids to study propaganda from World War II, for example. I mean, I don't know. Even World War II is a little hard right now. But just like <laughs> some of these older <laughs> examples. Yeah. Yeah. I think some older examples, so that they have a little bit of distance mm-hmm. from it, probably makes them 
more likely to be open to yeah. learning about methods and you it's know, a the good way connection. that it persuades you. Yeah. Then when it's closer to them, when it's closer to the current political moment, they're not going to be as likely to, no. to think about and it. Like, and that's why... Because it's more entrenched. You have to yeah. remove them a bit. Well, and that's why the bridge starts with what worked during the Holocaust or World War One, what mm-hmm. was effective. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I start showing them more recent ads from, I'd say, the, like, the last 20 years uh-huh. to give them examples of, like, testimonials or whatever. And and so I think that those are good starts. But when we get into them actually bringing in their own, whew, that's where yeah. it gets. Uh-huh. That's what I mean. I mean, the it's closer been, it is I've to had now. QAnon come in. I've had InfoWars come in. I have had, and I've seen, I've seen all of them. And, and it's always just, I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say is I've seen all types of propaganda come in and and I see how it can pigeonhole you and I see how it can trap you into believing that this only this is the only voice that could possibly be true. Yeah. And I think that's what's the scariest thing to think about is that these are 15 and 16 year olds who are being cornered this yes. way. I think we're definitely in an age of heightened propaganda use. Yeah. Um, and like I mean listen to us having this conversation are we are well educated and we're in our 30s and like we're still like ooh, is it good is it bad like so imagine being 15 or 16 like that's what my kids are mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. these targeted ads are like fact they're truth to them so. I think I still probably err on the side of a neutral definition of propaganda because I do I think that I mean it's it's hard to see it now just because of how us versus them the entire freaking world is right now mm-hmm. especially politically it's hard to it's hard to see how it could be put to good purpose yeah. <laughs> because almost all of it is just further entrenching divides so a lo- there's a lot of energy in the world of propaganda being spent on making sure the dividing lines stay dividing lines. Mm-hmm. But I think there's hope for kinds of media, new kinds of media, educational media, all kinds of stuff that I, I think I could imagine propaganda being put to good use. Yeah. But there needs to be some sort of breaking point that we go past with this current, yeah. the current political situation. I mean, how many TikTok ads have I sent you to be like, this is cool. It's working. <laughs> It's working. It's working on me. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm with you. I don't think it's all bad. Am I offended that it nails my exact everything so often? Yes. Does that bother me? Yes. Are they listening right now? Yes. Always. As I sit here talking about want to look at the branding for the new iPhone. <laughs> yeah. You're like, let's go check out the new iPhone. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. I'm Apple really... propaganda machine. See what I mean? This is this is it though. Hard at work. As I sit here staring at my notes oh, on my iPad. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Ready to go? Shall we you uh, do... move on to move, fill in the blank? Do you want to do the last question? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, this famous Marjorie Stoneman Douglas or Parkland High School graduate was once harassed in D.C. by Marjorie Taylor Greene. She called him a coward there. However, he is uh, actually a Harvard student and has written a New York Times bestseller and was named as Time 100, one of Time 100's 100 Most Influential People in 2018. Who was that? That was David Hogg. Mm-hmm. Very outspoken Parkland survivor. Survivor, yeah. Led all, a lot of those March for Our Lives initiatives. Yep. Mm-hmm. Kind of just traveled He's still doing the a lot of that work. Yep. I forgot to mention, I cannot believe I forgot to mention this in the last episode, which was about school shootings, but I totally forgot to mention that there are companies that sell inserts for backpacks that are bulletproof. Yeah. I looked at them when they first came out Mm -hmm. and uh, never bought one. They're pretty expensive. But I was thinking about those, and because this year, my school students are no longer allowed to carry backpacks. Oh, geez. So I was thinking about that market and, like, what that is and that there are people capitalizing on this, which is, like, I mean, they're making a dollar, sure, but also, like, it is a safety thing, right? Like, I can totally get behind that. 
you don't it's just, want that industry to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I was coming from. But I was thinking about like, oh gosh, it's like a whole piece of propaganda and it fits with our last episode. But that's like a whole industry of back to school shopping, I guess. If, yeah. You know, and I've had, I've actually had some coworkers purchase them. Back put to them school in their body armor. And they are heavy. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So this episode's question. Yes. Rosie the Riveter is one of the most famous pieces of World War II U.S. propaganda, featuring a woman flexing with the line, we can do it above her head. Rosie was, re- was originally created by a Pittsburgh artist named J. Howard Miller in 1942. Most people associate Rosie with a famous painter who was known for his work as an American illustrator who created his, ro- his Rosie in 1943. So who was that famous American illustrator? So when, when you think of Rosie, it's, it's probably this one. Yeah, even but though it's it was not, not invented by yeah. him. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Well, we got. We made it. A little bit lighter of a topic. It does feel good. Yes, it's School nice not to be very in draining. deep dark. Yes, yes. Um. So, what'd you learn? Ooh. Oh. Okay. Your so music I mentioned. Stuff. Yeah, I mentioned I've been making a lot of music. I'm trying to put it on my calendar so that I work on it every day because otherwise I just kind of do it when I'm inspired and I don't make music as often as I mm-hmm. would like to. So I'm trying to like you know I'm trying to be more diligent and develop a habit of working on it instead of just these one-off random bursts of inspiration so i've been working with logic pro because i just needed to pick a digital so it's called a daw digital audio workstation usually and there are a bunch of programs that yeah there are a bunch of programs that i've used over the years to do this one actually one of the programs that i tried using for a while is what i used to edit the podcast in part but um anyway Mm. i uh eventually landed on logic pro which is apple's music production you know oh i didn't know that was apple's yeah oh yeah does GarageBand not exist it it is uh like a fancier more complicated version of GarageBand. GarageBand is like the the beginner easy up and going version of logic pro kind of gotcha yeah cool but yeah, so I've been working with Logic Logic Pro and I've been trying to learn the ropes and there are just so many settings and plugins and samples and instruments and too much. There's a lot to learn. It's very overwhelming. But one thing I did learn how to do this week was use the drum machine designer. So I put together some a pack of samples and I made basically like a a beat out of them using this drum machine designer cool so yeah it was cool like it has this visual representation of all the beats and you can like subdivide the beats by more or less to make them go faster or slower and it's kind of this cool like geometric is it like intuitive as far as like yeah you just click on the square the the squares and they'll make the noise and you can kind of so you can just like put them in the correct beat pattern and it's cool it's cool. That's how. Yeah, that's what I learned to do. So that's been something fun to teach yourself. Yes. Um. How okay. Mine is something I won't shut up about. Oh. Okay. Is that okay? Of course. Do you want me to do what I learned? Yes, definitely. Okay. Please do. So this episode originally is going to be posted right Thursday, September sixteenth. Mm-hmm. So we did not mention in our previous episode anything about September eleventh or the anniversary of it, but it has been twenty years since that. Chelsea and I kind of just went through some I don't know, I think we both have some pretty weird emotions about it. I think we probably both have some pent up things. We were in sixth grade when it happened and we both have very, very vivid memories of what we saw for me in my sixth grade math class on the TV. And so I think 
for maybe people our age and even old, like my mom even mentioned, like kind of being in a weird funk. It, it's a hard day and it's so defined for the two of us, our entire childhood, it felt like. In, in our entire adulthood, adulthood too. Yes, I was going to say everything. Right, but I guess I just meant it really felt like a turning point for some reason. Like when I yeah. think back to yeah. it, that felt like a pin, you know, like a flip of a switch for mm-hmm. me. But mm-hmm. I didn't even talk about it with my students because I was like, what do I say? How do I approach this in some way that does anything for these people and for who lost their loved ones and whatever? And so Chelsea has, for a couple years now, been telling me about this show called Come From Away that she saw live on Broadway a few years back. Yeah, pre-pandemic. And just could not get over how incredible it was. And I was kind of like, yeah, sure, okay. And I'd never seen it live. Um, But it recently, just this past week, came out on Apple TV, if you have it, a live recorded version of it that was done in, I think, like April or May of this past year, 2021. And it is the incredible musical story of... (laughs) I love this show so much. Uh, It's an incredible musical about the people in Newfoundland who took in thousands of people who were in the air when 9-11 happened. Yeah. And how they could not... The U.S. airspace closed. And so it forced a bunch of people to land in places all around the United States. But Come From Away specifically is about the people of Newfoundland who took in, what was it, like six or 7,000 yeah. strangers it's a little town for in days. Newfoundland called Gander. And, and they just... had like 30 some planes land there yeah. and they took care of them. And it was like, I mean, they had hours to prepare basically. And without knowing if any of those planes were also part of the coordinated attack. So mm-hmm. it, it's... It's so well done. Oh my gosh, I just really... I've told so it's many people about it. It's a very wholesome story. I think I told you it's really helped me process 9-11 because it never really did. I don't know. I just yeah. never really... like. It's just this giant thing that hangs over mm-hmm. our national consciousness. And because we were so young at the time, and I again, I felt like I... Looking back on how I reacted, I was like, dang, I did not take it seriously enough because I didn't really understand the seriousness yeah, of it. Yeah, we didn't like, know. We hadn't yet experienced this sort of constant steady cycle of like mass shootings in this country so we weren't we weren't desensitized to this kind of event like we are kind of now i guess i would say Mm -hmm. which is very sad to say but anyway it was it was very big it was this monolithic thing but we were kids when we experienced it so i think just like there's gonna have to be a lot of retrospective work done in looking at that event and how it played out and what it did to our lives and all of that but i do think that in terms of art that has been used to help people process it i think it's a really good i mean it's just a really good show yeah i agree it's a feel-good show it also tackles a lot of difficult things it um, like touches on all of the parts of 9-11 that are hard I yeah think. and yeah. i and i think it does a really beautiful job of that and also it's just it's like a story of humanity and i just think that's so great yeah and, it, and it's cool in like a world sort of vision way to think about it so come from away uh you could probably see it live in a city near you if i'm sure they're back to traveling soon uh yeah, broadway sure is returning soon yeah and it's on apple tv and it is just it is so great so catchy so anyways well i think that's it i think that about wraps so watch come from away go get your vaccine or your booster if it's time help out our hospitals who are just swamped right now anything else i think that's about it take care of yourselves we'll see you soon see you next time bye bye Thanks for supporting 16 to 1. We're trying to grow our audience, so please check us out at 16to1.com, all spelled out, and tell your friends about the show. 
On our website, you can find links to follow us on social media, an archive of all our old episodes, and a contact form where you can get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you look out your window, underneath all that rain is Maine.